here today. Well, I remember when I was pastoring a church in uh, North Carolina, in the foothills of North Carolina, I was, uh, we had a bunch of rain like we've had recently. You know, these, we've had these two weeks of rain. It, f- it felt like 40 days, but I think it was only two weeks. But uh, we had a bunch of rain, and so it had been muddy everywhere, and uh, kind of like here. And, of course, it was hilly up there with the foothills. And, and I had a church member asked me if I would be willing to visit someone he, he knew that had terminal cancer. And, and I can't remember if he was a member. I don't think he was a member. I think he was a friend of a member. And, uh, but he lived kind of in a hard-to-reach area, his house was. And I said, well, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll go in that and go and see him and, pray, and praying with him and everything. And so I did that. And he said, and a, and a deacon had overheard that I was going to visit this man. And he said, do you mind if I ride with you and go with you? And I said, well, sure, that'd be fine. He said, you might need some help. And I said, well, I think I can find it. <laughs> you know, I'm not the best in directions, but I, I can find it. He's like, you, you might need some help. I said, okay. So uh, he rode with me, and, we went, and, the, and the place really wasn't that far from town. And I just didn't know where it was. It was kind of tucked away. And I went down this main road, and then there was a little dirt road that I took a left on. And, uh, but there was no gravel or rocks or anything like that, so it was real muddy. And uh, so I thought, okay, I could see maybe I could get stuck back here or something. And I drove around this winding dirt road and then drove around some more. And I kept thinking, wow, this is kind of far back here. I'm getting a little uncomfortable now. <laughs> and drove around into the woods and then came up on, on top of a ridge. And, I, and then I realized I was on the top of this ridge and I could see down all the way down into a deep muddy valley. And then that went up even to a higher hill, and I was, which was above my sight line. And then off to the side was uh, his house. And I sat there, and I, and I looked at it, and I looked at the deacon guy beside me, and I said, uh, I don't think, you know, we had a pretty couple close calls back there. I don't know if I'm, this is going to work. He's like, oh, you'll be fine. You got it. And I was like, you know, I'm reali- you realize I'm driving a, a 1996 Honda Accord, right, and, uh, which is my wife's car. And uh, he, he said, uh, well, you'll be fine. Just, you'll be good. I said, you realize I'm from Columbia, right? You know, like not pavement, you know, and stuff like that. Oh, you'll be okay. Just, just commit to it. I was like, okay. So I made have said a little prayer, and I went on down the hill, and it got real nasty and muddy there. And my tires were kind of, uh, you know, the back end was kind of going wide a little bit. And I just floored that Honda Accord with that, with that four-cylinder engine. <laughs> went right up there and just went, ee. well, it didn't make that noise. It made the, ee, you know, like the engines, Honda's engines do. Went, ee, went right up the hill, and I made it, and I was good. So I, he was right. I made it. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, if this doesn't work, at least I have someone with me, um, and they'll be at least searching for him and me together. But I found the place, and the guy had a really nice house up there on the hill, and he did have terminal cancer, and I prayed for him, and then I never visited him again, because uh, he, he, he did die certainly um, soon after. But I was thinking about, I was, this week I was preparing, and, I, and all the mud and everything we've had this week, I, I, I was reminded of that, um, that story today, and, and that's the Christian life many times, is we're following Jesus, we're going down a path. Sometimes it's just a smooth asphalt path. It's concrete, cement. Sometimes we go down a little bit of a dirt road. Sometimes we can see the valley below us. Amen. And sometimes we can even see the hill on the other side. And as a Christian, we have to decide, am I going to put my faith in Jesus and go through this valley and up this hill, or am I going to turn around, right? And Jesus says the same thing that deacon guy told me. He says, you'll be fine. You just have to what? You just have to commit. You just have to do it. But what happens when we commit and we go up that hill or we get bogged down in that valley and we don't make it up the hill or we get halfway down the hill and we backslide down off the hill? What happens then? We're talking today about the danger 
of backsliding. When we talk about this, we're talking about someone who turns from Jesus. Maybe the life circumstances were just too tough, too difficult, too hard, and they just didn't feel like they could accomplish it, and they turned from Jesus. Whatever the reason was, they've turned from Christ. Famous pastor years ago, J.C. Ryle, says this about backsliding. He says, it is a miserable thing to be a backslider. Of all unhappy things that can befall a man, I suppose backsliding is the worst. A stranded ship, a broken winged eagle, a garden overrun with weeds, a harp without strings, a church in ruins, all these are sad sights, but a backslider is a sadder sight still. That true grace shall never be extinguished and true union with Christ never be broken off, I feel no doubt. But I do believe that a man may fall away so far that he shall lose sight of his own grace and despair of his own salvation. And if this is not hell, it's certainly the next thing to it. A wounded conscience, a mind sick of itself, a memory full of self-reproach, a heart pierced through with the Lord's arrows, a spirit broken with the load of inward accusation. All this is a taste of hell. It is a hell on earth. We're in Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 today, where Paul is talking to the Galatians who have backslidden. And this is what he says, starting in verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. And you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Heavenly Father, as we continue to worship today, we thank you for the beautiful name of yours that we sang about, the name of Jesus that saves us. And we know that there are times in all of our lives where we may be tempted to not trust you when we're in the valley, to not trust you when we're going up that hill, and we may backslide. And Lord, we thank you for the grace that you give us when we do that calls us back to you. Father, we know that there are some that have backslidden and they're still gone. 
They have turned around. They have left following you. And we probably know those in our lives if that's the case, and it burdens us. So, Father, today I pray that you would show us today those in our life that we need to reach out to, we need to pray for, and we need to let them know that they can always come back to you no matter what they've been through, no matter what they've gone through. Well, we thank you for what you've done for us today. And I pray, Lord, that, that my words are your words and that I preach today in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you today three dangers of sliding back. Three dangers of backsliding. Number one, backsliding casts doubt. Backsliding casts doubt. He says in verse 8, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. Paul refers back to their life prior to salvation. They were pagans. They had no idea of what following God looked like. They had no idea what the Bible was or anything like that. And he says, like all lost people, the Galatians were, that were lost, they were enslaved to what Paul calls the elemental spirits of the universe. See, those that, who do not know Jesus, and many times those who do will, will be enticed to believe in other things. Whether it's astrology or a self-help leader or a, a political cause or another religion or a mystic New Age teaching, something else that they can get behind. And Paul says, all these things are no gods at all. They are all roads that might help you for a time, but they all lead to emptiness. They all lead back to slavery. And he's reminding them that they were rescued from that life. So why are they turning back? He says, don't go back to that. Verse 9, he says, But now you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? God is strong and worth, Jesus is strong and worth everything. The other things are weak and they're worth nothing. Why would you turn from Jesus and go back to the weak and worthless things? You were now, you were a slave, you were redeemed, you were rescued, and now you're trying to put the chains back on. Why would you do this? In the Christian tradition, we call this backsliding. When we turn from following Jesus to, to living how we used to live. And the Galatians, they actually didn't turn back to how they used to live. They turned to a completely different form of lifestyle. It can happen to the best of Christ followers if we aren't daily yielding to the Holy Spirit, allowing God's word to dwell in us richly, worshiping together in community. I heard something about the famous evangelist Billy Sunday, which if you're going to be an evangelist, what a great name for that, right? Billy Sunday. And he said, someone asked him, how can I avoid backsliding? What can I do? And Billy Sunday told him, he said, well, if you do these three things, it's going to be very hard for you to backslide. If you spend 15 minutes a day in prayer with the Lord, spend 15 minutes a day reading God's word, and spend 15 minutes a day talking to someone about Jesus, you're going to have a hard time backsliding. Amen. You can see how that would be the case. Praying to God, hearing from God, and telling others about Jesus. It would be hard to backslide. 45 minutes a day, you can avoid some of these problems. This is a legitimate concern, I believe, in our church today, not just our church, but the, the church in America of, of Christianity. But many who have stopped attending worship, 
during the pandemic. Now, I'm not talking about those who, who have a health issue and, and are fearful for being here. I'm talking about those that are going everywhere else but here. People who could be here but aren't here. They have bought the lie that the world can, can, can offer something else that they don't need in worship, that they don't need in community, they don't need in God's word and prayer. Some would love to be here and they cannot, but some can be here and have chosen not to be. And the pandemic has become an excuse. They found new life rhythms. And if they truly know Jesus, they're in dangerous territory. And the problem with this is I'm preaching to the choir today because you're here. Those who have backslidden are not here. And so they won't hear this. So those of us who are here need to be agents of grace, need to be praying for them and lovingly reaching out to them because we don't want doubt to be cast and we don't know where they are, spiritually speaking. Paul then explicitly calls out their actions. He says in verse 10, you observe days and you observe months and seasons and years. He's saying you're acting like Jews, like you're a Jewish person. You're observing all these feasts. Now, the, the purpose of the feasts was to, was to point toward Christ, but they have Christ. They don't have to go back and live like a, a before Christ Jew. They've gone too far in the opposite. They were over here in paganism. They came to Christ, and now they've gone to the whole other side into legalism. They were far, far left, theologically speaking, and now they're far, far right, theologically speaking, and they've missed the center where Jesus is. They've gone too far in the opposite. They went from loose living to rules living. And he says, why have you done this? You've started, you've gone the opposite of where you've started, but you ended up in a different house with the same address. (laughs) Now that Christ had come, there's no reason to religiously observe Passover anymore or any other feast that God had instructed the Israelites. They had fallen back into this heresy of religious moralism, and Paul was worried. He was worried if they truly knew Jesus at all. Look what he says in verse 11. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. That word labor, you could take it for two ways. I've worked hard for you in vain, or I birthed you spiritually in vain. He's saying they're almost like a stillborn baby, spiritually speaking. Now, if you've been saved by the blood of Christ, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You have an eternal inheritance that will never fade. This is why when you or someone you know backslides, you then cast doubt on their salva- on your salvation. You could very well be a prodigal who comes back to the father. And we love that story of the prodigal son, the son who made a selfish decision to go and blow all his money and live his own life and do everything he wants and then realize that he had it better with his father and comes back to the father, just like many people, even some of you have probably done in your life. We love that story of grace that God gives us. But the longer you stay out, the more that doubt Looms. I have many friends that I grew up with. Church, tended to church with them and youth group and college ministries together and everything. And, and they turned away around that time. And every year I would think, well, they'll come back maybe next year. Maybe when they get married and have children or something, they'll, they'll come back. Or maybe when they get their life together, they'll come back. And I keep waiting for it and I keep waiting for it. And, you know, I'm 42 next month. I still haven't. 
And now they've been walking away from Jesus longer than they were walking with Jesus. And you wonder, and you wonder, and it, it creates doubt in your own mind. And then if believers see that and they say, don't understand, they say, well, I mean, I know he's saved. I know, th- or she's saved or a Christian or everything. And I know, that. I don't understand why, why, how they can do that or why they're doing what, and they start maybe even doubting their own selves. See, when we backslide, it doesn't just hurt us. It casts a doubt on everything. Thankfully, God gives us the grace to lead us back to him as the Holy Spirit will convict us. But a backslidden Christian not only hurts their testimony, it hurts the church. Because at one point they had been baptized, they had been a believer. And something has changed. And that's not good for anyone. So backsliding causes doubt. Secondly, I've kind of mentioned this already, it causes hurt. It causes hurt. Sin, as you know, is not just selfish. It doesn't just affect you. If I sin in my life, I might feel like it affects just me, but it doesn't. It affects everyone. It probably affects my family, my friends. Sin's never just selfish. It has a ripple effect. You might think that you're just turning away and doing what you want to do for you, but it affects everyone. It affects people who know you and who love you, and it hurts not only you, it hurts them. Look what he says in verse 12. Brothers, I entreat you, Become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. What's exactly he's saying? It's kind of an interesting Greek, the way he writes it. What he's saying is this. I am a man like you. I'm a person like you. I understand that you can be tempted by something else, but do what I've done and resist it. Allow the Holy Spirit to give you that strength to resist it. And then he, he gives them insight on how the Galatians were a blessing to him when he brought the gospel to them. He says in verse 13, he says, the whole reason I even was able to preach to you is because I was sick. Somehow a sickness led him to be there with the Galatians. And though he says, my condition was a trial to you, you didn't scorn me, you didn't despise me, but you saw me as God's messenger, an angel from God. You took me in. But things have changed. And Paul doesn't know why. And he says in verse 15, what then has become of the blessing to me you were. For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. You know, sight is a precious thing. People that have lost their sight would always want to have it back. People who see their sight losing would love to have it back. And he's saying that if I would have lost my sight, you would have given me your eyes. That's what a blessing in my life you were to me. As, I, as, as Paul discipled them and shared Jesus with them and they became a church. And you can tell that Paul is hurt. See, backsliding causes anguish. It causes hurt to those in your life, to those in the life of those who've backslid. It hurts those who love the backslider. And he says in verse 17, they, being the Judaizers who they are now following, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, so they make, you make much of them. The Judaizers were using the Galatians for their cause, and that's the most tragic part of it all. That the backslider finds another group of friends or something, another group somewhere or something else to believe in, and they use them for their cause. Paul saying, I want you to be used for the cause of Jesus, the cause of Christ. So the way that the Galatians started to fall away from the gospel, it hurt Paul. It hurt his heart. So it, ca- it causes doubt. 
It causes hurt. And finally, number three, it confuses others. It confuses others. This is the most true thing I believe about sliding is we're confused. Well, how can this happen? And why would God allow this? And how long will it last? And we start even changing our theology. We start even reinterpreting scripture to make the circumstances of what we've seen in life fit to our own lives. Well, God must not meant that because I've seen this happen. And when what we see in our own life and what happens in people's lives, when it makes us then reinterpret Scripture, it confuses us. Why would God work that way? Why does God work this way? What's wrong with this person or that person? Why would they do that? And so it's confusing. Look at verse 18. Paul says to them, it's always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, who, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He said you were born spiritually, like a spiritual birth, just like a real birth happens through the process of childbirth. He says, but now I feel like you're back in the birth canal, spiritually speaking. You're going to have to do it all over again. And he says, verse 20, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, which he would be much more uh, loving, for I am perplexed about you. Now, Paul was the smartest, most intelligent, most driven, most goal-oriented, uh, just aggressive person you would have ever met. You probably wouldn't like to hang around him too much, quite honestly, especially before Christ. And God used that high drive for excellence and humbled him and made him into the man that he wanted to make him for his church so that Paul planted churches and started churches and discipled people. And he not only did he have his own intellect and drive, he now had the Holy Spirit of God and wisdom in his own life to give him insight that no one hardly had ever had other than Jesus Christ himself. And Paul the apostle says, I am perplexed. Backsliding confuses even Apostle Paul, confuses us. When a person sees someone come to faith, flourish in the faith, and then slide down that mountain, it's confusing. And you start to wonder about their salvation. You start to wonder about why they turned. You start to wonder about what happened in their life. And people who had influence in the person's life start to question if maybe they did something wrong. Well, maybe I shouldn't have sent them that text message, or maybe I shouldn't have called them, or, or maybe it was up to me, or maybe it was my issue. And it confuses them, and it confuses others because they, it can cause them to then doubt God's work in their lives. Well, maybe this happens to me, or maybe I should go do what this person's doing. Backsliding doesn't just affect the person, it affects the people around them, and it confuses them. It affects those who have poured their lives into you and people who have led you to salvation, discipled you in Christ. I remember being in college getting very angry at God because I was in a time in my life where I was probably more of a Pharisee than a, than a believer, but I was trying to, to please God and live right. And I saw all these Christians not doing the same, and I didn't understand it. I was confused. Well, are you supposed to be a Christian? Are they supposed to be a... And, and it, it, it cost me a little bit of time, my faith in the Lord, backsliding confuses others there's a famous hymn writer you probably know you don't know his name but you know his hymns his name is robert robinson he lived in the 1700s 18th century england 
And he was saved as a young man, 19 years old. He was an atheist, and he was saved as a young man. He had a great revival experience where he was just on fire for Christ at the age of 19. And at age 22, he wrote a poem which became a hymn called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. You've probably heard this hymn. Wrote at age of 22. But through some tough circumstances, Robert Robinson slowly started turning on his faith. He had a death in the family of a 17-year-old cousin, didn't understand why God would allow that. Other things happened. He turned away from the Lord. Even though he was a pastor and a professor, he began to teach about why we should doubt the God of the Bible. He started leading other students astray on their journey. There was one Sunday morning where he went to go catch a a, a cab, a a horse, horse wagon cab like that back in the day. And he realized it was Sunday morning and the people were all over the streets there in the, in the downtown area there in England. And people were all hurrying to church. They had their church clothes on. And, but he looked at them all and he realized how lonely he had become. And he heard the sound of church bells and it reminded him of, of the years past when, when faith, his faith in God was strong and, and the church was a part of his life that he hadn't had it for so many years it had been years since he had set foot in a church, years of wandering in the wilderness, years of disillusionment, years of sliding backwards from the God he once loved. And that love that was so bad, burned so passionately, had quit. He was dark and cold inside. And he heard the clip clop, clip clop of the horse drawn cab carriage approaching him. And he waved his hand to hail the driver. And he saw that the cab was occupied with a young woman in there. And, and they stopped. And he said, no, just go on. I'll get the next one. And the woman said, go, go ahead. I, there's room. Come on with me. I'll be happy for you to ride with her. And he could tell by the way she was dressed, she was headed to church. And so he said, all right, I'll get in here. So he steps in, sits beside her. And she says, I'll be happy to share this carriage. Are you going to, to church today? And he said, and I don't know if this is a lie or not, but he said, yes, I am. And sat next to her. And they went down the road for a way, and they introduced each other, and he said his name was Robert Robinson. And she said, wait a second, I've been reading this book of poems, Christian poems, and there's one written by a man named Robert Robinson. He reached out of her purse and gave it to him, and she said, is this your book? And he said, yeah, well, it's not my book, but yes, I wrote that poem many years ago. I wrote that poem. And so she started talking about how great it was, was to meet this famous person. He just tuned her out and didn't hear her and started reading the words that he had written so many years ago. And he read them out. He read them in his mind and he said, Come, thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. And he could just hear her talking about, Oh, this is so great. I have the author next to me, blah, blah, blah. And his eyes slipped to the bottom of the page, and he read these words. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And then he got to the last lines. He couldn't barely talk. He had tears in his eyes. And he said, I wrote these words, and I've lived these words. Prone to wander prone to leave the God I love. And then she looked at him and understood what had happened to him. And she said, yes, Mr. Robinson, but he also wrote, here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. 
and you can offer your heart again to, Mr. Rob, to God, Mr. Robinson, it's not too late. And the good news is it wasn't too late for Robert Robinson. In that moment, he turned his heart back to God and walked with him the rest of his days. And we sing this song even today still, knowing that it was someone who not only wrote those words as a young man, but lived them and came back. We're going to have our invitation time here in a few minutes. When I pray, the band will come on stage. And is there someone in your life that has turned, that has wandered from the Lord, that maybe you just need to have a time of prayer down here on the steps and just pray for them? Pray that the Lord would show you how you can reach out to them. Maybe even in your own life, you felt that you've wandered. Maybe you're here physically, but you're not here mentally. You're not here spiritually. And you even need to turn your life back to the Lord today, knowing that God, through his grace, will always receive you home. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. As we close our time together today, maybe there's one watching online today hasn't stepped foot in a church, has nothing to do with the pandemic. They just came across this. Maybe today, Lord, whether on television or online, they've seen it, and you've cut them in their heart today. I pray that they would know that they could always come back to you, and you'll receive them. Lord, we all have people in our lives that at some point were driving very well, going down the path very well, and they got to the valley, and they got bogged down in it. Maybe they tried to get out of the valley, and when they did, they got halfway up the hill, and they slid down because they couldn't do it anymore. Lord, we thank you that you call us when we follow you to not climb these hills alone, to not climb these mountains alone, that you've, you've called us to get on your back and let you pull us out of here. And many times, Lord, with Backsliders, that's what's going on. We've forgotten that you're leading. We try to do it ourselves and we can't. So Father, I pray that we would lift those up in prayer today that need to come back to you. And if they know you, if they have professed faith in you, if you've changed their hearts, if the Holy Spirit is in their life and they continue to, continue to turn from you, we know that they are in a dark place. And that your love never fails. That they would turn back to you today. Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.